Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. My message for today, if you want a title for the message, it's the battle for the souls of the nations. There is a titanic battle that is going on for the souls of nations all over the world. We see it everywhere. Uh, the battle is being played in parliaments and senates and houses of assembly and houses of representatives and, and the battle is being played certainly in boardrooms. Um, it's being played it, literally in every aspect of the nations. And we now see that battle playing itself out on the streets of nations all over the world, from Hong Kong to Canada, Chile to the Philippines, Brazil to our nation here in the United Kingdom. And a few days ago, we witnessed in our nation of Nigeria, that battle played itself out on the streets as young protesters protesting an end to police brutality were killed, some of them certainly killed, by this same police force and other agents of the government. Uh, sadly, that protest has been taken over by vagrants, thugs. It's led to a breakdown of law and order as really a political and ruling class desperate to hold on to the status quo at all costs have released their foot soldiers to infiltrate the protests and cause confusion. All over the world, we see this battle for the souls of nation, nations being played out, despots and tyrants trying to cling to power. And the triggers for this playing out of this battle ha, ha, might, might vary from country to country. Protest against police brutality, against systemic and institutional racism, against corruption, against inept leadership. Uh, the list is endless. Protest against systems that oppress the poor and marginalize. A friend of mine introduced me to a phrase that, that is used in, so, in quite a number of circles to describe the state of the world today. It's that phrase VUCA, V-U-C-A volatile, uncertain, complex, and angry. In a sense, anyone who is sensing the prophetic will know that the world is in a state of convulsion, or there are convulsions taking place around the world. Uh, there are actually birth pangs, these convulsions. The battle is on for what will be born as a result of these birth plans. Uh, in, in John the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, I, that scripture aptly lays before us what this battle is about. Uh, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This is a titanic battle between good and evil, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness between the agenda of Satan from the pits of hell and the agenda and the plan of God for the nations. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And sadly, we see the results of that 
as we look around. But thank God that Jesus says he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Today, this message I am preaching to a believer. I am preaching to a child of God. I am preaching to a Christian. This is a message for you about the state of the nations now and what you do in response to it. In the end, we know what will happen, God's plan for the nations. We know in the end, Revelations 11 verse 15 tells us that when that seventh trumpet is blown by the seventh angel, that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. We know that that's the end game. That's what happen, happens at the end. But before then, what happens now? And what do you and what do I do to make sure that we align with God's plans for the nations? Well, Jesus taught us to pray as he gave us this pattern for prayer, the Lord's Prayer. He taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of course, that's what we're expected to do, to believe by faith that the kingdom of God will come on earth, come in the nations, and his will will be done. Now, it doesn't mean that there's a millennial reign where Jesus comes to reign, but it means that we can pray that righteousness is exalted. We can pray that godliness comes back to the center stage in the nations. We can pray that the poor and the marginalized are looked after with kindness and compassion. We can pray that the values of the kingdom are enthroned and enshrined in the nations. We can pray that his will in heaven be done here on earth. But do we just pray? No, we don't. Because as we understand from James, the second chapter and the 17th verse, Faith without works is dead. Faith by itself is dead. So we are not just praying, but we are putting works to our faith. We are acting. That's how we are expected to be change agents, by our prayers and our actions. The Bible in Matthew, the fifth chapter from verses 13 to 16, no time to read the scripture, uses two metaphors to describe you and me. And those metaphors are change agents. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth. You bring savor to the bitterness of the earth. That's your responsibility, that to bring savor to the bitterness of the earth. And the Bible says you are the light of the world. The Bible says we bring light to darkness. That is our responsibility. Wherever there is darkness, as a child of God, as a believer, we are expected to bring light into that darkness. Now, how do we do this? And this is really the crux of the message. How do we do this? If you turn your Bibles to Exodus, the 17th chapter, we stopped here on our journey into God's promises, but we are revisiting it uh, today. Exodus, the 17th chapter. It's a story that you all know. Um, Amalek came to fight against, against Israel. Moses at a place called Rephidim. Moses says to Joshua, engage them, choose men, and engage them in battle. Uh, I will stand on the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And Moses goes up the hill accompanied by, by Aaron and Hur. When he gets to the top of the hill, he stands on the hill with the rod of God in his hands. And as, as long as his hands were lifted, Israel prevailed. When he, his hands, when he got tired because of his age, 
and his hands started to fall, Israel lost ground. After a while, Aaron and Hur noticed the connection, and they sat the old man on a stone, lifted his hands, and the Bible says his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. How does that apply to the battle for the souls of the nations? I'll tell you seven ways it applies very quickly. Let's go through this. Seven ways it applies. Number one, the place Rephidim. Now, Rephidim for them was a place, a place where they came against their enemies, enemies who had an agenda. Their agenda was to stand against God's plan for the nation of Israel. The nations now are facing enemies, enemies who have a similar agenda. Their agenda is to prevent righteousness from being enthroned, to prevent godliness from being enthroned, to advance the agenda of their master Satan to kill, to steal, and destroy. And we see it all over the world with corrupt governments. We see it all over the world with wicked governments. We see it all over the world with callous governments. We see it in Nigeria. We see it in America. We see it we, we, we see it in all the other nations of the world where callousness is enthroned in, in government places. And it's not to say everyone in these governments are, are callous. No. But it is certainly to say that there is an overwhelming drive towards wickedness and callousness that we see displayed in the nations. So Rephidim for them was a place. For us, Rephidim is not just a place, it is a time and a season of confrontation. Battle lines are drawn. It is a battle between good and evil. I want you to know that the nations of the world are at Rephidim. This is that time and that season for us to confront evil in all its ramifications. Number two, the instruction that Moses gave Joshua was choose some men of course, it talks about men, but we know it is generic, men and women. Choose those who will engage. Now, I'm sure you understand that it wasn't just choose any random collection of men. No, this was a war. It had to be soldiers that were skilled in battle, soldiers who understood how to wield the sword, so soldiers who understood how to fight the fight that was required. And for us today, there is a call for men and women, and thank God that we have seen so many step forward. Thank God that we saw a young generation in Nigeria step forward. A call to men and women. But it's a call to skilled men and women, those who are skilled in advocacy, skilled in technology, those who have creative skills, the wordsmiths, the photographers, the professionals, the strategists, strategic thinkers, the wise men and the wise women, the influencers, the mobilizers. It's a call to people who have skills to lend their skills to this war effort. There is a call going out. It is, it is, it is, it is shameful now not to put your skills to be used in this battle. Choose men and women was the instruction that he gave Joshua, and there's a call for men and women to be chosen who will go out to stand against this evil, to fight this battle, to use what God has given them to bring about change in the nations. Number three, the call was to go out and fight. That means that there is a call to engage 
physically. There's a call to write. There's a call to write your MP. There's a call to write in the newspapers. There's a call to <coughs> write in the, on, in the blogs. There's a call to write the right things on social media. There's a call to speak. There's a call to let your voice be heard. It might be your small circle, but let your voice be heard. Be heard. Every one of us has a voice. Of course, there's a call to protest. The peaceful protests are part of the process. There's a call to march. There's a call to picket. Uh, there's a call to sign petitions. There is a call to vote. You know, in, 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 in Nigeria, they would say, make sure, we would say, make sure you have your PVC. Here in the United Kingdom, make sure that you are registered to vote. In America, on the 3rd of November, there is a titanic battle at the ballot box. Make sure you exercise your right to vote. There's a call to use technology. There's a call to document things. There's a call to serve the community. There's a call to evangelize for you and I because ultimately it's all about re redemption. There is a call to go out and fight in whatever way you can fight. Number four, there is a call to stand on the hill with the rod of God in our hands. This beautiful picture of intercession, the old man who understands what a lot of people don't understand, that natural battles are first, first fought and won spiritually. The old man says to Joshua, engage, go out and fight, write the letter, petition, march, picket, call, vote, document it, record it, publish it, serve the community, evangelize, tell your story. And then the old man says, and I will go to the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You know, when I share this story, I'm not sharing it so that people think I'm a Joshua and I'm a Moses. I'm saying for every believer, we are Joshua's and we are Moses's. There is a time to go out, but there's also a time to climb the hill and lift our hands in the place of prayer. Because the truth is that there are spiritual forces behind anything we see here on earth for good or evil. The spiritual controls the natural. That's why I said this message is for believers. The Bible says you can't cast pearls before swine. It's not an abusive uh, statement. It just means that precious spiritual things will not be understood by people who are not spiritual. I know that there is no battle on earth that is won without the battle being won in the spiritual. The battle is won on the hill so that our efforts in the valley as we engage, as we lock, lock our, our weapons with the enemy, we prevail. We understand from, what, from Daniel's story that the challenge wasn't what was happening in Persia. The challenge was that there was a prince of Persia who was orchestrating things here on earth. Daniel, the 10th chapter. So that tells me that there must be a prince of Nigeria, a prince of the United Kingdom, a prince of the Philippines, a prince of Indonesia. And if we don't deal with the princes in intercessory prayer, in spiritual warfare, our efforts here in the valley will simply amount to nothing. There is a call to intercessory prayer for the nations. The prayers that birth nations are not, are not ordinary prayers. They are travailing prayers. They bring to birth. 
Isaiah the 66th chapter and the 9th verse. This is God speaking. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord. Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says the Lord. We have an assurance that if we stay in the place of prayer, as the, as the earth goes through these convulsions, these birth pangs, that our God will control what is born, and what is born will have a resemblance to his kingdom. Your kingdom come is our cry. Your will be done here on earth. There's a call to stand on the hill in the place of prayer. And it is not just any kind of prayer. It is persevering, prevailing, travailing, sacrificial, persistent prayer. That is what is required. It is not just any kind of prayer. It is a prayer where we are praying God's will, God's plans, God's purposes. We are not praying amiss in pursuit of material things. We are saying, God, let your will be done as we lift our hands with the rod of God in our hands. And let us be reminded that it is not our prayer our effort. It is our faith in God. Yes, we are encouraged to work. We are encouraged to put our hands to the plow. We do that. Yes, we are encouraged to pray. We do that. But may God forgive us for thinking that any of those is what causes the results that we desire. It is simply the grace and mercy of God. The grace and mercy of a God of the Bible. Not the God that people are trying to make us think is God. You know, one of the things that I have heard said a lot is that we have prayed enough. We have prayed enough. Let us act. That is a foolish statement. Because we can never have prayed enough. It is because we have not prayed enough that's why the problems are there. Every time that you have seen transformation, true transformation, it has come from a bunch of believers who have committed themselves to prayer and, and given themselves to intense, persevering, selfless, sacrificial, prevailing prayer. And that's why change has come. John Knox is on his knees praying. The Queen of Scotland says she is more afraid of one man's prayer than of the entire armies of England. That is the kind of prayer that is required. A group of disciples gather in an upper room. They didn't have the resources we have. They didn't have the technology. They didn't have the, the material resources. But one thing they had was a connection to heaven. They poured themselves out in prayer. The Spirit of God came upon them. The results is recorded in history and in the Bible for us to see. The whole world was turned right side up simply because they gave themselves in prayer. Don't let anybody belittle prayer. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the weapon. It is the kind of prayer we are praying that hasn't brought the results. When we give ourselves to prayer, when the spirit of intercession comes upon us, when we pour out ourselves in prayer, when we give God no rest until he makes our own Jerusalem a praise on earth, when we call out to him, he says, I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. The nations are desperate for those who will answer the call in Ezekiel 22 verse 30. God says, I'm still looking for a man or a woman who will stand in the gap. And it is out of prayer that our efforts in the valley are successful. 
It is God who makes it happen. It is not man. It is the God the psalmist describes as, and, and says this concerning him. Whatever the Lord pleases, Psalms 135 verse 6, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. Whatever the Lord pleases. He says the psalmist in Psalms 115 verse 3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. That's the God that we cry out to. It's, a, it's, it's God. He's the one. It was his spirit that poured on ordinary people and caused a revolution. They went out, they acted, but they acted in the power of the spirit of God. And there is a difference for a child of God. Number five. That, that, that scripture, that story tells us the clear connection between the prayer and what happens in the valley. Please, if you forget anything, don't forget that. The efforts in the valley will amount to frustration and futility if we are also not on the hill in the place of, of persevering intercession. We must pray like we've never prayed before. They say these are unprecedented times. What should your response be? Unprecedented prayers. Verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. The connection was obvious. Hands lifted up in intercession. The work in the valley was moving ahead. The victory was gained. The ground was covered because there were hands lifted up in intercession. And you know, the nature of the kingdom is that you don't have to be recognized by man for hands lifted up in intercession. The nature of prayer is what you do in secret that is rewarded openly. So do it in secret. Join the army in secret. And the beauty of intercession is that a young girl who believes that God can and lifts her voice can bring about monumental change in her community, her town, her city, her nation, just simply because she believes that God can and lifts her hands in prayer. Abraham Lincoln says, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all those around me seemed insufficient for that day. Number six, a unity in prayer. A house divided against itself must fall. The enemy understands that. The enemy also understands the power of a praying Christian. The power of someone on their knees. And so what does he do? He tries to divide the body of Christ. If there's ever a time that the body must come together as one, it is now. If there's ever a time that humility must be our watchword so that we are humble towards each other, and the pride that causes the friction and the division is taken out of the picture. It is now. It doesn't matter now whatever name we are called. Those names we gave ourselves. As far as God is concerned, it is his kingdom. It is his church. We call ourselves all these many names. We denominate ourselves so that we can achieve our own purposes. But it's time to put all that down 
and come together as one. It's a beautiful picture of a trinity in unity. As Moses goes up and Aaron and her go with him. As Moses lifts up his hands and Aaron and her realize and sit the old man on a stone. No bickering, no fighting, no building of kingdoms, no building of empires. No, this is my way and that is your way. No, we worship this way, you worship that way. We are more holy than you, you are not as holy as us. None of that. United around one cause, that this evil must stop. This nation of Amalek must stop. This tide of evil from the pits of hell must stop. And so united, they lift the man's hands in one lovely flow of prayer. And as they do that, the Bible says in the valley, the battle turns. May God give the church the grace to go to the place of prayer as one so that the battle in the valley will turn. It is the church in America, not this divided church in America. This, this, the enemy has done an excellent job in America dividing the church. Thank God for the United Kingdom that we are one church. That's why the prayer shield is such a beautiful picture. Catholics and Baptists and Methodists and Anglicans and Pentecostals, Charismatics, Evangelicals, all together praying, one church. May the church in Nigeria one day become one church so that the Catholics don't look down on the Pentecostals. The Pentecostals don't look down on the Anglicans. The Anglicans don't look down on the Baptists because it is one church praying, lifting one voice that is going to bring about the change. The enemy knows how to divide. And sadly, in the nations of the world, he has done a good job of it. Number seven, as I come to an end. I want to charge you to begin to declare the prophetic word and begin to make decrees. How are you going to change the nation? You're going to change it the same way God changed the confusion of the world at the beginning. And he changed it by speaking his word. Don't take for granted the speaking of God's word. You know, that's why as part of our prayer shield, and I hope you're a part of the prayer shield, we have a daily declaration. These are not empty words. These are the words of God. God said, let there be light and darkness receded. We are children of God. We can declare his word. We expect darkness to bow. That's the power of declaration and decrees. You are a vice regent. You are a king under the king of kings. He has given you authority. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Continue to speak it. Those who are not spiritual think you're wasting your time. These are mere words. But you know these are not mere words. Jesus says that these words, they have life in them, spirit and life. The Bible says they don't go forth and not achieve the purpose they are supposed to achieve. So declare it over your nation. Every single day, declare it over your nation. Decree that it will come to pass. Exodus 17 verse 14, as I end. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Write it and recount it recount it keep saying saying it keep saying it keep declaring it it might not look like it's changing but trust me even though it doesn't look like anything is happening something is happening spiritually and once the battle is won in the spiritual 
believe me, the battle in the natural will be won. And so let's put our hands to this plow wherever we are. Let's understand that we approach it differently. We approach it from a kingdom perspective. We are kingdom citizens. We don't embrace unrighteousness as a way to the end. No, 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 no. We, we go with kingdom values to the end. The end does not justify the means for a kingdom citizen. It is the enthronement of righteousness that we want. We're not saying everybody becomes a Christian, but believe me, everybody should be blessed because the kingdom of God has been enthroned in a nation. And may the Lord help us to do what Moses did. Build an altar, call its name, the Lord is my banner. Because he said the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I decree into the nations that the Amaleks in the nations will not prevail. The Amaleks in the United Kingdom, the Amaleks in Nigeria, in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, in Sierra Leone, in Ghana, the Amaleks in Eritrea, in Ethiopia, the Amaleks in America, in Europe, in Australia, they will not prevail in the name of Jesus. This is a call to arms for you as a child of God. I pray you will answer this call to arms. The battle lines have been drawn. The confrontation is on between good and evil. It's what we do that will determine the outcome. We go to the hill, we lift up our hands in the face of intercession. We engage in the valley. And doing both of them, as long as we understand that the hill causes victory in the valley, will bring victory in the valley. God bless you. Father, we thank you and bless you. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ and you would love to do so, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to join this army. It is the army of our Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to give your life to Christ. Accept Him as Lord and Savior. Uh, just open up your heart to Him by saying this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus. I receive Him into my life today as my Lord and Savior. I turn away from anything that I have done or I'm doing that is sinful as I give myself to you to obey your word, Heavenly Father. Thank you for receiving me into your family. Thank you for making me a child of yours. By this prayer, Father, I declare that I am now a child of yours, born again. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a titanic battle against evil in all the nations and the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of this world, the nations of this world, will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God bless you.